0: السلام عليكم rahmatullahi الله وبركاته. How are you all doing? نحوه على رسوله الكريم أما بعد فأعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم. رب إشرح لي صدري ويسلِّي أمري وحلُّ العقدة من لساني قولي. رب علما. 41. Would you like to read? Bab هل يقال مسجد bani fulanin. حدثنا عبد الله بن يوسف قال أخبرنا مالك عن نافع عن عبد الله بن عمر أن رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم سابق بين الخيل التي أضمرت, أضمرت من الحفياء وأمدها ثنية الوداعي وسابق بين الخيل التي لم تضمر من الثنية إلى مسجد بني زريق وأن عبد الله بن عمر كان في من سابق بها When you read just the Arabic, do you understand a little bit maybe? Do you have an idea of what the hadith is talking about? Do you? Almost, somewhat? Because it's good to go word by word, but sometimes when we hear an Arabic text, okay, an entire sentence, then that should also make some sense to us, inshallah. Because right now we are breaking up the text a lot. After every word, every two, three words, we should also get used to listening to an entire text at once, inshallah. Bab, hal yuqalu, can it be said, masjidu, masjid bani fulanin of such and such a clan? Bani fulan, children of so and so, meaning, and banu of so and so, they were basically a clan would be called in this way. So, can a masjid be named after a clan, after a person? after an individual who may be alive, who may be dead, could be the person who built the masjid, could be the person who gave the land for the masjid, could be the person who really inspired a group of people, and as a result they want to name the masjid after him. Is it permissible or is it not? It is permissible. Why? Because there are many evidences and besides, uh, this does not contradict the statement of Allah Al Masajid Yes, the masajid belong to Allah. Why? Because only Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is worshipped over there. A masjid is no one's personal property. Because one of the conditions for a place to be called a masjid is that that masjid is waqf, meaning it is dedicated now. It is not anybody's personal property. Nobody can buy it, sell it. It doesn't work like that. A masjid is waqf, it is dedicated. But for the purpose of identification, a masjid can be named after a person, a group of people, an area. It is completely permissible. And what's the evidence? The hadith: حدثنا عبد الله بن يوسف قال Malik عن نافع عن عبد الله بن that the Messenger of Allah صلى الله عليه وسلم, سابق, he organized a race. What does Sabaqa mean? To go ahead. So sabaka, There's competition, right? So he organized a race al between horses. And obviously and horses were people, right? So this is a race between horsemen. allati which udmirat which were trained. So trained horses, okay, and obviously this is the people who are making the horses run. So a race was organized between them. From where to where? من Hafya From Hafia, Which is the name of an area وَأَمَدُهَا And its extent Meaning the length of the race Was up to where? سَنِيَّةُ الْوَدَاع This is also the name of a place You may have heard of this In that famous verses of poetry That طَلَعُ الْبَدُرُ عَلَيْنَا مِن سَنِيَّةُ الْوَدَاع So وَأَمَدُهَا ثَنِيَّةُ الْوَدَاع The race was from Hafia All the way to سَنِيَّةُ الْوَدَاع وَسَابَقَ and he also organized a race بين الخيل, between horses التي لم Tudmar which were not trained, من الثنية, from Saniya obviously this is ثنية الوضع, إلى to the masjid of Bani Zurayq To the masjid of Banu Zurayq This was a clan. And they had a masjid where they used to live. So the race was organized all the way to that masjid. Wa anna Abdullah Ibn Umar and Ibn Umar الله Anhu was one of the people who participated in the race. So he was not just someone who used to observe the ways of the Prophet, his actions, but he also participated in races. He also knew how to ride a horse. Because we believe that if you get into this you know, if you develop this interest of learning and teaching, then you know nothing else of this life, it doesn't befit you to do anything else in this life, no other things which are beneficial for a person, healthy for a person a person should be active in those and compete also in that, there is absolutely no harm, as long as this activity is beneficial you know, one is that a person is participating in in cooking competitions, and yes, I mean okay, it's good, but if you think about it, how much time is put into it and how much effort. And at the end of the day, sometimes the food is eaten and many times it is wasted. So it's not really a good idea to participate in these things. I mean, th- that this is a person's main focus in life. It should be something that is beneficial. So Ibn Umar participated in this race as well. But anyway, in this hadith, we learn that naming a masjid is perfectly fine. And in fact, it is good to do that. Why? So that the masjid is recognized. It is easier to refer to it. It is easier to identify it. And any name can be given as long as that name is not objectionable. That name is appropriate. It is not objectionable. It could be based on an area, the area where the masjid is located. It could be named after the person who built it, person who is alive or dead. Doesn't matter. You know, for example, you will come across a masjid that is named after one of the uh, imma of the past, one of the great scholars of the past. Is that permissible? Yes. Is this personality worship? No. It's not personality worship. It's just to show that the people who come here really have respect for this person, this great person, scholar from the past, and they are inspired by his teachings, motivated by his writings, and this is why they have named the masjid after him. So there is absolutely no harm in this. And remember that when a masjid is called masjid of so and so, it doesn't mean the masjid is owned by them, This idafa is not for milkiya But it is for identification Okay, It doesn't mean that they own it But it means that the masjid is identified by that name I mean it doesn't belong to an individual It belongs to a board Maybe a company or something An Islamic organization An Islamic organization is not any one person's personal property I mean no one person has absolute control over it It belongs to the Muslim community Right? So they have a board, they decide what has to be done by consensus. Bab, al-qismati wa ta'liq al fi al Distribution. Distribution of what? Sadaqah. Like for example, a person comes to the masjid with a bag of dates, for example. And he is just giving to people. Is that permissible? Wa ta'liq al And hanging up al-qinw. is قنو? Bunches of dates. Fil masjid in the masjid. Because the masjid is basically a place that is built for the purpose of worship, ibadah. But does it mean that other things cannot be done at all? Yes, it is made for salah, but can you distribute sadaqa over there? Can you put food over there so that the people who are coming, going, they can grab a snack? So for example, after Jum'ah, Salah, snacks are distributed. Is that permissible or people should find this objectionable that you know people are celebrating here it is as if there is a party going on this is not a party this is a masjid where people should come for prayer and we should not be focused on food and snacking no there is no harm because we are human beings where we worship we also need to eat so if a person is hungry he happens to be at the masjid and he finds food can he eat it? yes if a person has a lot of food they want to bring it to the masjid to share with everybody can they do that? Yes, they can. قَالَ Abu Abdullah Abu Abdullah meaning Imam Bukhari, he said, القِنْو قِنْو is العِذْق قِنْو means العِذْق and what is العِذْق? A cluster or a bunch of dates which is on the branch still. So basically the branch has been cut off with the dates hanging on it still. It is said, it is bima fihi It is the branch with what is in it. So the branch with the dates on it. Have you ever seen anything like this? والإثناني قنوان Its dual is قنوان والجماعة أيضا قنوان And the plural of that is also قنوان So the singular is قنو Dual and plural both are قنوان مثل Waslinwan. Just like صنو and صنوان وقال إبراهيم And Ibrahim said عن عبد العزيز بن, بن عن أنس رضي الله عنه قال أتي النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم. The Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم Was brought بمال with wealth, meaning wealth was brought to him. From where? Min al Bahrain? From Bahrain. This was after the conquests over there. The booty, it was brought to the Prophet. Faqala so he said فِي Masjid, lay it in the masjid. Meaning all of this booty that has been brought from Bahrain after the victories over there, after the conquests over there, what did he say? That leave it in the masjid, put it in the masjid. And it was The most wealth Uti بِهِ Rasulullah That the Prophet was ever brought. Meaning, this was the greatest amount of war booty that had ever been brought to Medina thus far. But what did the Prophet say? Just leave it in the masjid. فَخَرَجِ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ, صلى الله عليه وسلم إلى So the Prophet came out for the prayer. وَلَمْ يَلْتَفِتْ إِلَيْهِ And he did not even turn towards it. He didn't even look at it. He didn't even pay any attention to it. Imagine, things are brought from a foreign land. And not a few things, but many things. Won't you be curious to at least see what is it? But he didn't even look at it. Why? Because he came for prayer. That was the focus. And the Prophet was a very focused individual, as we will learn in the hadith today. So he came for prayer, he didn't even look at the wealth, he just went straight to salah. فَلَمَّا الصَّلَاةَ Then when he completed the prayer, جَاءَ He came, فَجَلَسَ إِلَيْهِ And then he sat over there. Why? In order to distribute that wealth. فَمَا كَانَ يَرَى أَحَدًا Then he would not see anyone إِلَّا أعطاه, Except that he gave to him. Whoever he saw, the Prophet ﷺ gave him something from that booty. إِذْ جَاءَهُ العباس, Until when Abbas came. Who was Abbas? The uncle of the Prophet ﷺ. He came. فَقَالَ يَا رَسُولَ الله, And he said, O oh, Messenger of Allah, أَعْطِنِي Give me. Meaning give me something as well. Why? فَإِنِّي فَادَيْتُ نَفْسِي وَفَادَيْتُ عَقِيلًا Because I ransomed myself and I also ransomed Aqeel. Who was Aqeel? The son of Abu Talib. And both Abbas and Aqeel Abbas radiyallahu anhu, right? Both of them came at the Battle of Badr against the Muslims, and both of them were taken as captives by the Muslims. And remember the captives? They were ransomed. Right? Meaning they had to pay the ransom in order to free themselves. So who paid the ransom for Abbas and Aqeel? Abbas radiyallahu anhu. Abbas radiyallahu anhu paid a heavy price to free himself and Aqeel. So he said, I lost so much money at that time, yes I have now embraced Islam, I'm in Medina, but I need money. Because he had lost a lot. So he said, Give me something too. I need something. And he didn't come for a little bit. He wanted a lot because a lot of wealth had come in and he had lost a lot in the past, so he wanted to make up for it. No harm in that. Rasulullah. So the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said to him, take. Meaning take whatever you want. Fa hatha fi thawbihi. Hatha. Hatha is to spread something out. So he spread out his, his garment and he started filling it up. Alright, taking whatever he wanted, how much ever he could. Fa فِي fi thawbihi. Thumma Then he went yuqilluhu. Trying to lift it up. يُقِلُّ is from iqlal. And iqlal is al-raf' is to lift up and carry. So he filled it up as much as he could and then he began lifting it up in order to carry it. But, فَلَمْ يَسْتَطِعْ But he was not able to. He couldn't even lift it. Why? Because it was so much. فَقَالَ يَا رَسُولَ اللَّهِ So he said, O Messenger of Allah, أُؤْمُرْ بَعْضَهُمْ يَرْفَعُهُ إِلَيَّ Command some of them, meaning the companions who are all standing here, tell them, يَرْفَعُهُ إِلَيَّ They should lift it up on me. I can't lift it up myself. قَالَ لَا he said no. The Prophet ﷺ refused to do that. قَالَ فَرْفَعْهُ أَنْتَ Then you lift it up on me, my nephew. Yes, you're the messenger of Allah, but you're also my nephew and I need help here. So you lift it up for me. قَالَ لَا He said no. فَنَثَرَ مِنهُ So, نَثَرَ What does Nathara mean? To spread out. So, he, in other words, he spread out his garment and he took some of the stuff out and he left it. Then he went on trying to lift it up. But he couldn't. So Fakalaya Rasulallah, O Messenger of Allah, Utmur Bahum, your Farhu asked them to help me. Kalah he said no. Kalafar Farhu Antarya, then you yourself help me. Kalah, he said no. Fanatarominhu then he had to take some out again. thumma then when it was light enough, Ihtamalahu, then he carried it. He lifted it up and he carried it himself. And then he put it on his shoulders. And then he left. So he did not seize. Who? Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. He was following him with his eyes, with his vision. The Prophet sallallahu did not stop looking at him. Hatta until alayna, until he was hidden on us. Meaning until? Abbas al was out of sight, so the Prophet just continued to look at him, watching him until he was out of sight. Ajaban, amazed, min by his greed, his desire for all those things. Fama qama Rasulullah الله ﷺ, so the Prophet ﷺ did not stand up from there. Wa thamma minha and there, thamma there minha from it dirham, even one dirham. Meaning he only got up when there was nothing left. There was not even one dirham left of all that property when the Prophet ﷺ got up. So in other words, he distributed everything. And this means that he didn't keep anything for himself. Now there are a number of things that we learn here. First of all, we see that the Prophet ﷺ, when he came to the masjid, he didn't even look at the wealth. And what does that show? That he had no interest in it. And the fact that he distributed everything and didn't keep anything for himself, that shows that he had no desire for it. But we see that there were other people who didn't just notice it, they didn't just look at it, but they came and asked for it. You know one thing is that you like something and you're just looking at it and you're waiting for other people to offer. But if you can't wait for that and you go and ask, what does it show? That you really want it. So Abbas he didn't just wait to be given, he came and asked. And look at the Prophet ﷺ on the other hand. This doesn't mean that Abbas ﷺ was very greedy for a while. This is something natural within human beings. This is something natural within human beings. Some people, they are attracted to the worldly things a lot. And other people, they have no interest. Some people, they will notice jewelry immediately. right? Some people will notice the wrinkles on the clothes immediately. And other people won't even notice. So some people, they pay attention to these things a lot and other people don't. It doesn't mean that one person is very greedy and he's so bad and he's so uh, worldly. It's not necessary. It's a human thing. It's, it's a thing that human beings, it's a weakness that human beings have. Shadid. As long as it does not drive a person to sin and israf, it's okay. Because we see over here that Abbas رضي He did do Israf But the Prophet صلى الله عليه Did not let him Right? He didn't help him He didn't help him Didn't tell anybody to help him Until Abbas رضي Left Some of it That when people are traveling sometimes And their bags are Full To the point that they can barely close the zips But They have to take all those things And They weigh at home And they know it's overweight But they say Maybe it'll get through They get to the airport And they find out There is no way they have to take some things out. It happens. No matter where in this world you go, when things come from overseas, people are always interested in that. You go to eastern country, people want to know what has come from the west. You go in western countries, people want to know what has come from the east. That how the Prophet was focused on the salah, how much he preferred it, that he didn't look at it even until he completed the salah. What do we say? Let me just peek inside the bag. Let me just open the wrapping paper a little bit and see what's inside. Let me just feel it. Let me just look at it, how heavy, big it is. Before this point, it was mentioned earlier that he focused on the salah. And he didn't even look at it. So what if you look at it? So what if you peek into it and see what it is? What's the big deal? Yes. You're going to be thinking about it during your salah. So if there is something that can Cause you to be distracted from your salah Don't even look at it Until you are done with your salah For example Your phone It has beeped It's beeping You do your wudu It's beeping Don't even go look at it Because you are going to pray So just pray When you're done Then check your email Then check the text message You know why? Because you will have the time To read the text message But you don't have the time To respond to it You have the time To read the email But not to respond to it So why Distract yourself From what you're doing By something that you can't attend to fully A very very important lesson Because we're so distracted these days Constantly You open something An email And your phone is buzzing Right? You start watching a a video A documentary or something A short clip And immediately there are ads on the sides So the more you look here and there The more distracted you'll be And at the end you will have Nothing achieved So if you want to have something in your hands by the end of the day, then don't look at anything until you are done with what you're doing first. Finish one task and then begin the next. Complete one task and then start the next. Because if you have multiple things open at the same time, at the end you'll have nothing done. No matter what work you're doing. Then we also see over here that Abbas صَضِلَوْا anhu he did not have any Takalluf. He, he did not combine lying with his need. If he wanted something, he needed it. He was open about it. He didn't pretend. Because what do we do? We have the need. We want something. But we pretend as if we don't want it. So in our heart, we have that unfulfilled need that will make us have self-pity, that will make us dissatisfied. Be open about what you want. But we think it is part of being shy and modest, that we don't communicate. If you have a concern in your heart, communicate it. Because when you're not communicating, you're doing yourself a harm. And you're doing other people a harm. This is unfair. How is it fair? That you want something and you don't even tell the other person. And then when they don't offer it to you, you say, oh, look at them. They're so selfish. They're so greedy. They don't even care about me. We complain a lot. And we don't communicate. So communicate. Whether it is with your spouse or your children or your co-workers. Whoever it is. Or sometimes we feel that they should know. Don't they see? One more thing is that the Prophet ﷺ did not help him. He gave a silent message. That I do not approve of this. That you are taking so much for yourself. Because it was okay for Abbas ﷺ to take from it. Because the Prophet himself told him, خذ. But it was not okay for him to take so much. So, help other people, but not in the matters of israf. Not in the matters of extravagance. Support them. Assist them. But when there's israf, then no. We don't help other people over there. And sometimes, you can't even say, don't do this. Because if you tell them, don't do this, they'll get offended. But if you refuse to help them, then they will get the message. Also one more thing which is very interesting is that the Prophet he did not take anything of it for himself. Why? Because a leader of the people is their servant. He does the most and he takes the least. He does the most and he takes the least. This is who a leader is. And if a leader thinks that I should take the most, then that is not a leader. Because sometimes we might feel that the work that we're doing, it demands too much from us. We are overworked and underappreciated sometimes, right? But the fact is that we should be seeking appreciation from who? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And when that is your goal, then no amount of work will bother you. It won't bother you. There are people who take their work as their mission. And when something is your mission, then you don't mind whether you're doing it at 12 o'clock in the night or you're doing it at 5 p.m. or 5.30 p.m. Because people who enjoy their work, who love their work, they will do it. They will do it at work, they will do it at home. They're passionate about their work. And I'm not talking about people who are just doing religious work. No. These are people who love the work that they're doing. Whether it is that they're selling houses or buying houses or renovating or whatever they're doing. They're never off duty, because it's their passion. And when something becomes your passion, then you don't mind doing it. And you don't mind if people are not appreciating you enough, or you feel that you're not being paid enough for it. Inshallah, we will learn from our hadith later on, that the companions have said, we only ask Allah for the reward for it. Meaning we will only deposit our invoice with Allah. We don't want anything from you when the Prophet ﷺ asked them for the price of the land on which the masjid was going to be built, they said, we don't want anything from you. We don't want to put a price on it. We only want price from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We only want the reward from Him. So take the example of the Prophet ﷺ. He didn't even take a little bit. There was not even a dirham left over there. Not even a dirham. He didn't take anything from it. This recently I read an article about There was a comparison between the different presidents and kings of the world and how much money they make every month or their yearly salary. There was a comparison. And it was amazing that the Muslim countries, their leaders took the most except for one whose salary was $10,000 a year. Was. Not anymore because he's not the president anymore. But this just shows that a person who is committed to the work that he's doing, he doesn't care about the money that he's being given for it. For him what is important is the work. The work that you do, the results that you see, that is the best form of repayment. It is. The money is not. The praise of the people is not. The work that you're doing, the results that you see, that's the best thing that you can get. That means that your effort was worth it. And if you are doing the work, you're making lots of dollars, but at the end you see nothing, then that's not work, that you weren't paid anything for it. And the work of the deen that a person does, the reward is everlasting. It's everlasting. Because it's become sadaqah jariya. I read a quote somewhere and it inspires me till today. It motivates me till today. That come work for the Lord. Hmm? The hours are many. The pay is low. But the retirement benefits are out of this world. Out of this world. That we see... The Prophet ﷺ, his justice that whoever he saw, he gave him. But sometimes what do we do? We think that, okay, if it's this much, let me divide it, let me distribute it. This person, they deserve this much, so I should give this to them. We get busy in proper allotment and we never end up giving. The so Prophet ﷺ just gave. Anyway, let's continue. Bab, مَنْ لِطْعَامٍ فِي الْمَسْجِدِ وَمَنْ أَجَابَ فيه. Masjid, the one who called for food in the masjid, woman fihi and the one who responded to it, meaning he accepted that invitation and went so in other words, is it allowed to give out invitations in the masjid for food because people are gathered over there, so you tell them, please come over and eat at my place, come and you know meet everybody at my house. Is it permissible to do that or is the masjid being misused? No, it's not being misused. It is allowed to call people over at the masjid. It is allowed to even eat at the masjid. It's allowed to accept invitations. Yes, buying and selling is not permissible, but normal interactions with people, it is completely fine. And the purpose of this is to show that mubah matters, okay, which are permissible, such mubah matters, they are not love which are forbidden in the masjid. This is not of those matters which is forbidden in the masjid. It is permissible. So if something is, something like this is being done, don't ever look down on it. That if you see somebody is handing out invitations or asking people to come to their house, don't think that they are doing something that is inappropriate at the masjid. It is perfectly fine. Haddathana Abdullah ibn Yusuf, akhbarna malik, عن Ishaq ibn Abdullah, سمع Anasan قال وجدت النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم fil masjid. Anas said, I found the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم in the masjid. Ma'hu nasun, with him were some people. فقمت, so I stood. Fakal Ali, so he said to me, Abu Talha, did Abu Talha send you? Kultunaram he said yes. Fakali Ta'amin, the Prophet asked, Did he send you for food? Kultunaram? He said, Yes. Fakal Ali Manhaulahu. So he said to those who were around him, meaning the Prophet said to the people who were with him, Kumu, stand up. Fantalakah? So he went, Want talak tubaina Aidihim, and I went before them. Meaning he led the way to Abu Talha's house. Because Abu Talha had sent a message through Anas to the Prophet ﷺ, inviting him for food. So when the Prophet ﷺ said, he's inviting me for food, Anas said, yes, the Prophet ﷺ didn't go alone himself, but he took everybody else along with him. And we learn from other narrations that how there was about 80 people and that entire food was sufficient for them because of the barakah that Allah wa Taala placed in it. So we see that it is permissible to invite people for food. In the masjid And it's not necessary that it should be a walima It could be Otherwise as well But one should remember That where these things are permissible in the masjid They should not become the focus of the masjid The focus of the masjid should always remain Salah, ibadah, dhikrullah, qiraatul quran This should always be the focus of the masjid And if that is not the focus And other things become more important Then there is a big problem because in a hadith we learn, the Messenger ﷺ said, there will come a time when people will sit in circles in the masjids, and they will have no concern except this dunya. And Allah has no need of them, so do not sit with them. A sahih hadith by Al-Hakim, reported by Al-Hakim, that people who do go to the masjid, but their concern is the dunya. So their conversations, their halaqat, everything is revolving around that. Because their focus is the dunya. So remember that the matters of dunya, mubah matters, are permissible in the masjid, but they should not become the focus. باب القضاء في المسجد بين الرجال والنساء Giving judgments. al-qada, Making judgments. واللعان. And Lian In the masjid. Between who? The men and the women. So the question is that can a court be established in the masjid? Judgments, can they be passed in the masjid? Witnesses, can they be brought in the masjid? Yes, it is permissible. Because a masjid, primarily place of worship. But at the same time, you can also say that it's like a community center. Right? Where major things which go on in the community are done. Haddasana yahya qala akbarana Abdul Razak qala akbarana Ibn Jurajin qala akbarani Ibn Shihabin qa an Sahli ibn Sa'adin qala ya Rasululallah. A man said, O Messenger of Allah, ara'ayta Rajulan. Ara'ayta, did you see? Meaning, tell me please. If there is a man wajadamam raatihi who has found with his wife Rajulan, another man, meaning committing zina, ayaktuluhu can he kill him? Who? The man committing zina with his wife. So can he be killed by who? By the husband. anafil masjid. So both of them, meaning that man and the woman and his wife, they did li'an in the masjid. Wa and I was a witness. Who said? Sahab bin Saad. He said, I witnessed that. So li'an took place in the masjid. Now what is li'an? Li'an is basically when a husband accuses his wife of zina. It is done when a husband accuses his wife of zina and there are no witnesses to that zina. Because if a husband sees his wife committing this action, will he call other people to witness that? How can he? And this is something that happens in the house for which other people may not be able to witness. So in this case, His wife, if she becomes pregnant and she's bearing a child who's ascribed to the husband, and in reality, that child is not the husband's child, then how can he tolerate that? And if it's somebody else, you know, they're a problem. But if it's a man's wife, how can he tolerate that? If he accuses her, then he's in trouble because you can't speak up until you can produce four witnesses. And if he doesn't accuse her, then he has to live with her. How can he? a woman who's cheated him in this way how can he so in this case the option of li'an not the option but rather the command of li'an has been given which we learn in surah an-nur in more detail basically li'an is from la'na right which is to curse so the man he is made to swear oaths four times that he is right that she has committed zina four times he swears this oath and the fifth time he says that if he is a liar then may the curse of allah be on him, this is why it's called and when he will do this then the punishment is to be carried out on the woman because she has been proven guilty in this manner but if she believes she is innocent then she has the right to defend herself how? that she will testify four times she will swear oaths four times that she is innocent and she did not commit anything like this and the fifth time she says that if she is a liar then may the curse of Allah be upon her if she does that, then the punishment will not be implemented on her. But the marriage will break. Okay, Meaning the two will no longer be together. Anyway, the detail is in Surah An-Nur. So we see here that qada in masjid is permissible. A qadhi, a judge, may pass judgments in the masjid. And this is something that was always practiced before. And even li'an is permissible. Even though in, in li'an, la'na of Allah is being Invoked In the masjid, you ask Allah for rahma, And here are people asking Allah for his la'na if they are liars. Now this is something serious. But we see that it is permissible. Bab ida When he enters a house. Which house? Any house. Whether it is his own, his brothers, his sisters, his friends, whoever's. يُصَلِّ حَيْثُ شَاءَ He may pray wherever he wants. أو حَيْثُ أميرى. Or wherever he is commanded. وَلَا And he should not do tajassus What does tajassus mean? Hmm? Spying, being overly curious and looking here and there and opening one door after the other, going into one room after the other. No, he should refrain from this. Now, what does this bad mean? That إِذَا دَخَلَ بَيْتًا يُصَلِّ حَيْثُ شَاءَ أَوْ حَيْثُ أُمِرَ أَوْ over here is not for تَخْيِر not for choice. That you have only two options. Either you choose to pray wherever you want, or you ask, and then you pray only there. No, this is not for choice, it is for Tanwir. That both the options are there, both the possibilities are there, and whatever you know is more convenient, whatever is more suitable, the person may do that. That when a person goes to somebody's house, he should pray wherever he wants, if it's understood. And if it's more appropriate that he should ask, or he is instructed to pray in a particular place, then he should do that. And in choosing a place for oneself, he should not do the justice. That if he goes to somebody's house, you go to somebody's house, and it's okay for you to pray anywhere, there's no harm, don't do the justice. What kind of the justice? That a person is going upstairs, downstairs, okay, let me go make the excuse, I'm going to pray upstairs, and opening all the doors, and looking at everything, or uh, going downstairs, and looking at everything, opening all the doors, and closets, and, Doing the justice. No, this is something that is not correct. Why? Because people don't like it. That somebody's coming into their house and going around everywhere. Okay? Even though you may be a very honest person, but it's not nice that you go to somebody's house and you're looking here there, opening every door. It's not correct to do that. And also he should not do the justice meaning that should not be the focus of a person when he goes to somebody's house. Okay, let me see how clean their house is. Let me see how clean their drawers are. I'll pretend I'm looking for a prayer mat and I'll open all the drawers. Let me see what junk they've stuffed their furniture with. No, you should not do anything like this. So, when a person goes to somebody's house, then he should pray wherever he wants. Like for example, they've made you sit in a particular room. Pray there in one of the corners, one of the sides. There's no harm. And if you feel that it's better to ask them, Then you can ask them that may I pray here Or would you like me to pray somewhere else Because you might start praying in their Living room and they have more guests coming Now everybody's standing in the hallway why Because you started praying in the middle of the living room Right So this is not appropriate So in that situation you will ask them And sometimes people ask very Unnecessary questions The carpet is clean right You don't have any dog in your house do you You have little children are they diapered Well any accidents ever happen on this carpet? Tahir? You don't need to ask such questions. If they've told you to pray in a particular place, pray there. If they've given you a prayer mat, then pray on it. You don't need to ask what happened here. Oh, really? Your child peed over here? There was an accident here? Don't ask such questions. You're making the other person uncomfortable. And remember that dealing should be on the apparent. So if somebody's told you to pray in a particular place, then you should believe that that place is Clean. That place is appropriate for salah. And don't have shak all the time. That what if something najis fell over here once upon a time? You no. Know? Deal on the apparent. Don't make life difficult for yourself and other people. Haddathana Abdullah <laughs> ibn Maslamata qala haddathana Ibrahim ibn Sa'adin an ibn Shihabin an Mahmud ibn Rabi'i an itban ibn Malik anna Nabiya sallallahu alayhi wa sallam fi manzilihi. The Prophet ﷺ came to him in his house. Faqala then he said أَيْنَ تُحِبُّ Where do you like an أُصَلِّي لَكَ مِنْ بَيْتِكَ that I should pray in your house. Where would you like me to pray in your house? قَالَ he said فَأَشَارَتُ لَهُ so I pointed to him إلَى مَكَانٍ to a particular place. فَكَبَرَ النَّبِيُّ ﷺ so the Prophet ﷺ did takbir. khutbah. وَصَفَفْنَا خَلْفَهُ and we formed rows behind him. فَصَلَّى رَقَعَتَيْنِ so he performed two rak'ahs. Now we see that the Prophet ﷺ asked him Where would you like me to pray? So a person may do that But there was a reason why the Prophet ﷺ asked him this question Because he was asked to come to his house to pray So that Ithban would take that place as a masjid in his house This is the reason why the Prophet ﷺ asked him But if you are not called for that purpose To pray salah Then you can pray anywhere you know, one is that you go to somebody's house, it's Maghrib time, you stop there just to pray. So you ask them, where can I pray? No harm. You can ask them. But if you go to somebody's house for food, and there's open space somewhere, then you can pray as long as you're not causing any harm. And if it's better to be on the safe side, and ask. al masajidi fil buyut, Mosques inside houses Now, a masjid is a place that is dedicated for salah. And... What if a person has a place Within his house That is dedicated for salah Is that permissible Yes it is Can you do that Yes So in that case Can you call that place masjid Let's say you have a spare bedroom Or let's say a spare den Or something like that And you just pray over there People who come to your house Also pray over there So can you call that masjid In the literal sense Yes Why because masjid is what? Place of salah? Place of sajda. So in the literal sense, yes, you can call it masjid. But as a technical term, no. Because there is a difference, right? Technically, a masjid is a particular kind of place. Then you'll have to follow the ahkam of masajid. You enter with the right foot, You say your dua. You perform tahiyyatul masjid. Five times a salah is established. So all the rules will apply. And that will become difficult. And you have to leave it open for the whole world. And by extension, also another question that can a man pray a Salah in his house if he has a place dedicated for a Salah? Hmm? Because technically, men are required to pray in Jama'ah at a masjid. That's the rule. That's the rule. The only exception is for people who are not able to. Inshallah, we'll discuss that. But where a person is not able to go to the masjid, can he make a masjid in his house? Because such a masjid is what? Musalla. So, a person says, okay, there's like five Muslims who live on my street. We all have to pray. The masjid is 15 minutes away. So my basement is free. I would like this place to be used as a musalla. Can that be done? Yes, it can be. وَصَلَّ الْبَرَاءُ بْنُ عَازِبٍ And baraa ibn Azib, he prayed في مسجده in his masjid, fi داره in his home, جماعة in جماعة so bin bin Azib, companion of the Prophet ﷺ, did not pray in jami' masjid, rather he prayed in the masjid in his house, how? In jama'ah. Why? There must have been a reason why they didn't go to the jami' masjid. They prayed in the house, but in the masjid of the house, in jama'ah, perfectly fine. No, it's still a Musalla. Inshallah, we'll discuss. When is a masjid called a masjid? حدثنا سعيد بن عوفير قال حدثني الليث قال حدثني عقيل عن ابن شهاب قال أخبرني محمود بن الربيع الأنصاري أن عتبان بن مالك that عتبان بن مالك وهو من أصحاب رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم and he was of the companions of the prophet من from those who Shahida who witnessed Badr, who participated in Min al الأنصار and he was from the Ansar انصار. an Ansari companion who was there at Badr. أنه that he أتا رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم he once came to the Prophet sallallahu الله عليه وسلم فقال يا رسول الله and he said oh messenger of Allah قد انكرت بصري my vision has become weak I'm not able to see that clearly anymore وأنا أصلي لقومي and I pray for my people meaning I lead them in salah my people meaning people who live close by I lead them in salah فإذا كانت الأمطار but when there are rains, heavy rains continuously, sal al wadi. The wadi, the valley, it becomes flooded. Which wadi, which valley? Alladhi bayni wa which is between me and them. Lam astatir, I am not able to an'atiya masjidahum that I come to their masjid fa Usaliya bihim, and then I pray with them. I'm not able to go to their masjid and pray with them, lead them in salah. وَوَدِدْتُ يَا رَسُولَ اللَّهِ And I really want, O Messenger of Allah, إِنَّكَ تَأْتِينِ That if you could come to me, meaning my house, فَتُصَلِّيَ فِي بَيْتِي Then you would pray in my house, فَأَتَّخِذَهُ musalla. So I would take it as a musalla. I want you to come to my house and pray there, and then I will take that place as my musalla, as a place where I would pray. he said. الله الله وسلم, the messenger صلى الله وسلم said to him سأفعله I will do this. قال عتبان, عتبان said رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم. so the prophet came in the morning وابو بكر and abu bakr at the time when the day had fully risen the day had entered completely and then he came so you can say it was around Eleven, twelve, maybe 10. Okay, depending on when the sunrise was. So تَفَعَنَّهَا فَاسْتَأْذَنَا رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهِ So when he came, he asked permission. Permission for what? For entering the house. فَأَذِنْتُ لَهُ So I permitted for him. فَلَمْ يَجْلِسْ So he did not sit down. حَتَّى دَخَلَ الْبَيْتَ Until he entered the house. ثُمَّ And he had said, أَيْنَ تُحِبُّ أَنْ أُصَلِّيَ مِن where would you like me to pray in your house? Meaning, he did not sit down when he entered my house until he asked me this. قال, he said, "فأشرت له." So I pointed to him إلى ناحية من البيت to a corner of the house. فقام رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم. So the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم stood. فكبر and he did takbir. فقمنا so we also stood. فصفنا and we formed rows. فصلى رَكَعَتَيْن so he performed two rakah, summa سلمة and then he did salam. And the hadith is long. I would like to mention the benefits that we learn from this part of the hadith before we continue. First of all, we see over here that عِثْبَان رَضِ anhu'. The fact that he was from the people of Badr is mentioned. And we learn of this about many companions. That when they're mentioned, it is specified that he was someone who was present at Badr. Why? Because the people of Badr had a very... High status In the sight of Allah And in the sight of their companions Why? Because it was a great day When Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Helped the Muslims And made them victorious Day of Furqan And Allah said About the people of Badr If ma shi'tum Do whatever you wish You are now forgiven So this was a big deal Because Badr was not easy First battle It was not easy Being there at the most difficult times And giving it your best Even if it means Losing your life And sometimes it means Losing your sanity Sometimes the work is so stressful, you get so stressed out. But if you take that opportunity, that can really exalt you to a very high level in the sight of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Then we see over here that إِتْبَانَ Abdullah who He was not able to go to the masjid in order to lead his people. First of all, we see that there was a masjid while Masjidun Nabwi existed. There was a masjid of the Prophet sallam yet there were other masajid in Medina, outskirts of Medina, why? Because everybody did not live five minutes away from the masjid. They could not hear the adhan. These days, if you consider these places where the people used to live, they're actually part of the masjid an nabwi today. Because the masjid has expanded so much. But back then, it was very small. So there was a need for more masajid. So likewise, if there's a need for more masajid in a place, there's no harm. Because you might say, Oh, this is only 10 minutes away from this masjid. Why are they building another masjid over here? You see, alhamdulillah, the masjid are full. Right? They're overflowing. Look at Ramadan, look at Jumu'ah. So there's always benefit, inshaAllah, if there are more masajids. As long as they're not built in competition and against one another, there's no harm. It only creates ease for people, inshaAllah. So we see that he was not able to go to his people in order to lead them in prayer. Why? Because of weak eyesight. And because of the flood that would come in the way. And this was an udr shari'i. What does it mean by udr shari'i? Udr is what? Excuse. Shari'i, valid by sharia, Meaning it, it was a genuine excuse, acceptable, which exempted him from going to the masjid. So we see that there are situations where And when a man is allowed to leave the jama'ah, meaning to not pray in congregation, to not pray in the masjid. In which situation? When he is ma'adhur. But otherwise, what is ma'adhur? Inshallah we'll discuss. But otherwise, he should not leave congregation, jama'ah. He should not leave masjid. He should try his best to go to the masjid and pray in congregation. And if it's not possible to go to the masjid, then you should still try to pray in jama'ah. Even if it's with just one more person. Why? Because there's so many ahadith that prove to us the obligation of performing salah in congregation for the men. You know, iqamatul salah, one of the first conditions is what? Jama'ah for the men. Congregation for the men. And remember that there are only some fuqaha from the Hanafi school of thought. They said that jama'ah is not an obligation on the men. Otherwise, all of the scholars of Islam, all of the scholars, they said that jama'ah is an obligation. Ibn Mas'ud said, whoever would like to meet Allah tomorrow as a Muslim, then let him offer these prayers regularly when the call to prayer is given. For what Allah has prescribed for your Prophet is guidance. And this is part of that guidance. If you were to pray in your houses as this man who stayed home did, then you would have given up one of the sunnas of your prophet. And if you give up a sunnah of your prophet, you will go astray. There is no man who does wudu and does it well, then goes to one of these mosques. But for every step he takes, Allah will record one hasana for him and erases one bad deed. There was a time when no one stayed away from the prayer, but a hypocrite whose hypocrisy was well known. And a man would come supported by two others so that he could stand in the row. He could pray in jamaah. So there are many evidences that show this is an obligation. But at the same time, there are situations when a person is exempted. Now when is a man ma'adur? I'm telling you this, not because it's an obligation on you, but because there are men who live with you, whether they are your husbands or your sons. And it is your responsibility to encourage them to pray in the masjid or at least in jama'ah. Encourage them and help them. Because sometimes women become a cause of stopping their husbands From going to the masjid So we should not become a cause of stopping them We should be in fact encouraging them Because remember this is an obligation on them The only situations when they are exempted Is when? When they are unable to because of poor health Because they are sick But even then we see that a man would come Taking support of two others To get to the masjid Secondly bad weather Like in this situation there was a flood When he didn't go The Prophet ﷺ didn't say No you should go Bad weather, like for example, heavy snow. There is a storm, heavy rain. A person is not able to go, they, they don't have to go. Okay, they can pray by themselves. Another reason which is of most relevance to us is long distance. Okay, long distance. And as a result of that, not being able to hear the adhan. Because a person who hears the adhan, then he has to respond. To the adhan. Then he has to go to the masjid and pray in that congregation But where a person does not hear the adhan that is given Because obviously over here The adhan is not given on loudspeakers So that people can hear outside Then in that case You don't hear the adhan The masjid is too far away In that case a person is exempt From going to the masjid It is said prayer in congregation Is obligatory for those who live close to the mosque Not for those who live far away Abu Musa said, the Prophet sallam said, the people who will have the greatest reward for prayer are those who come the furthest distance. So where a person is allowed to stay behind, yet if he tries, then he will have the most reward. Sheikh Abdul Aziz Ibn Baz was asked about a man who lives in a house far away from the mosque and has to use a car to go to the masjid. Because if he goes on foot, he will miss the prayer. Or obviously it will take him too long. It will exhaust him. So in this case, the question is that can you pray at home with some other men? I mean, they pray in jama'ah, they make a jamar in their house, can they do that? Because the masjid is too far, they will have to drive there. So he said, you have to pray with your Muslim brothers in the mosque if you can hear the adhan in your home at a normal volume without the aid of loudspeakers. When other sounds are silent and there is nothing to prevent you from hearing it. If you are far away and cannot hear the adhan without the loudspeakers, it is permissible for you to pray in your house or with some of your neighbors because it was proven that the Prophet ﷺ said to the blind man when he asked him for permission to pray in his house, can you hear the call to prayer? And he said yes. So the Prophet ﷺ said, then answer it. So if you can hear the adhan, you have to go. Now over here you can't hear it. So he said Shaykh bin Baz he continued the Prophet sallallahu said whoever hears the call to prayer and does not come there is no prayer for him whoever hears the call to prayer and does not come there is no prayer for him except for the one who has an excuse So he said if you answer the call of the muazzin even though you live far away and you take the trouble to come on foot or by car then that is better for you and Allah will reward you for your footsteps to and from the masjid, so long as you are sincere and have the right intention. Because it was narrated that there was a man who lived far from the Prophet's mosque, but he never missed a prayer with the Prophet wasallam It was said to him, why do you not buy a donkey that you can ride when it is hot and when it is very dark at night? He said, I would not like my house to be close to the masjid, for I want my walking to the masjid and back to my family to be recorded. The Prophet wasallam said to him, Allah will grant you all of that. So there is great reward for it. Now, in this country, hearing the Adhan in your home is impossible. And driving or walking to the masjid is also not an option for many people. Because literally for some people, it takes an hour. 20 minutes one way, 20 minutes for Salah, 20 minutes back. Takes an hour. In the evenings, perhaps you can do that, but during work hours, how can you? So in this case, what should the man do? Go to the masjid at least once a day. Even if it takes an hour. Preferably Risha or Fajr. And if both are possible, then both should be done. And it's about making a habit. But encourage your men to go to the masjid at least once a day. If they can make it in Ramadan, every night for Tarawih, stay until 12, 1, then why not throughout the year at least one salah in the masjid. Because for a man, masjid is very, very important. At least one salah should be in jamaah. And as mothers, they should give the training to their sons. There are many men who go to the masjid. Why? Because their mothers drove them every day. Their mothers drove them every day. Because sometimes you say, oh, the father is not interested. It's the father's job. He should be taking them. Okay, but if he's not going, why should your son be deprived? Don't you care for his food and drink and his clothes? About his education? Yes. Mothers drive their children everywhere. So also drive them to the masjid and back so that they develop a habit it becomes a routine and becomes like a part of their nature so that if for some reason one salah even is missed in the masjid they feel as if they haven't prayed properly so at least one salah should be performed even if it takes an hour secondly the rest of the prayers which cannot be in the masjid they should pray in jamaah with who? with the family members or at work with co-workers if there are Muslims over there Then why not? And alhamdulillah, these days you will find Muslims everywhere. You never know that because of your effort, somebody else might start praying regularly. Yes, there are many neighborhoods where I myself have seen a house, okay, where their masjid was converted into a musalla. And this is in Mississauga, by the way. Their whole street, many, many Muslims over there. So what they had done was, they had hired a Qur'an teacher who would teach Qur'an to the children in the evenings in their basement. And at the same time, people would also come for salah. And they didn't have a separate entrance for the basement. Hmm? But anyway, this was something that they had done in their house. And even if they weren't praying five times in jama'ah, in their musallah, at least twice or thrice. So at work, at home, praying in congregation with other men. Because the Prophet ﷺ, he would like to pray wherever he was. Inshallah, we will learn about this, that he would pray wherever he was. And obviously that would be in jama'ah. Because it's not possible for you to always be close to the masjid. Otherwise, how will you go about your daily life? If a person says, no, no, I have to pray in the masjid. So that's why I cannot go anywhere between this and this time. And the only time I have to go anywhere is this one hour in the evening. Because that gives me enough time to go. Then you can't have any life. So you have to go about doing your daily things. But pray in jama'ah. There are several communities, somebody told me, in the States also. Huh? You did, right? Where is it? Buffalo. In Buffalo. There is a community, a Muslim community, where they have built houses around a masjid, and the adhan, everything goes to the houses. So people can hear the adhan in their house, and they go to the masjid for salah as well. So a lot of investment has to be done in this, but where there is a will, there is a way as well. I mean there are masjid in this city also Which are in neighborhoods basically And people bought houses close to that masjid Intentionally so that they could pray there regularly Then we also see over here that In the house, at work Wherever a person is most of the time A musalla should be established Where going to the masjid all the time is not possible so for example, if a man is not able to go to the masjid five times a day, but he finds that he prays three prayers in the house. Okay? Two he can pray in the masjid, but three salawat are at home. Then dedicate a place for salah or pray in jama'ah over there. But remember that praying in the musallah is a secondary option. What's the first option? In the masjid. When that is not possible, then pray in musalla. Now what's the difference between a masjid and a musalla? A masjid is a place which is prepared for the purpose of offering five salawat on a permanent basis. On a permanent basis. And that place is devoted for that purpose. And a musalla, a prayer room or a prayer place, is a place that is used for prayer occasionally. Such as Maybe two prayers per day, three prayers per day, maybe one salah per day. Or for Eid, for funeral, so on and so forth. And it is not set aside as a waqf for the five daily prayers. Sheikh Ibn was asked about the difference between a mosque and a prayer room and when a place may be regarded as a mosque, as a masjid. He replied, with regard to the general meaning, the entire earth is a masjid. Because the Prophet ﷺ said The earth has been made a place of prostration And a means of purification for me With regard to the specific meaning A mosque is a place that has been prepared For the purpose of prayer on a permanent basis And is allocated specifically for that Whether it is built of stones, mud or cement or not Whether it is built or not That doesn't make a difference But it is dedicated for salah That is masjid With regard to the prayer room or prayer place it is a place that a person uses to pray in but he does not make it a place of prayer on a permanent basis. Rather he prays there if the time for prayer comes. This is not a mosque. And the evidence for that is this hadith of Ritban bin Malik. Then we also learn in this hadith that if you are going to begin something good then before you start it ask someone to come and join you in that. Right, Like for example, he wanted to start praying in his house whenever there was a need to do that. And he asked the Prophet ﷺ to come and pray. Why? Yes, definitely his coming and praying over there would mean barakah inshallah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would bless that. But what happens is that when you're starting something new, something good, and you ask other people to come, then what happens is that with their du'as, or because yadullahi fawqal right? then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's help is in that. Because it happens many times that people start their, uh, let's say, a class. hmm? And it could be in the same city. But they don't tell other people about it at all. Even to maybe their teacher. They don't inform them at all. And what happens is that it seems like there is a competition over here. But when people work together, they ask, let's say, their teacher... Or their ex-in-charge or whoever To come and be there for the orientation or something Then what happens is that More people get to know about it There's more khair inshallah There's unity There's du'as So inshallah more will come out of it But if every person begins their own masjid Then this will divide people Not unite them This will divide people Not unite them So we need to stay united And Yes as more people start, you know, participate in something, the work will grow. It will spread. But it's necessary that we stay connected with each other. Right? It's not humanly possible for people to come to one place only and work with only one organization. Things happen. Life changes. Right? Situations change. But when we start something new, let's keep others informed of it. And then people also get confused that what's going on? Is this competition? Is this disunity? What is it? Was there a problem? Is there something that I didn't find out about? What's going on over here? So it's necessary to stay together. And you get, and in fact, what happens is that when you inform other people, when you ask them to come and have their share as well, then you get more help from them too. There could be something that you're struggling with because it's the first time you're dealing with it. And you find out that the same issue, because of their experience, they know the answers, they know how to deal with it. If you had asked them, if you had informed them, if you had taken their help, your work would have been much easier. But we just like to reinvent the wheel all the time, unfortunately. Then we also learn over here at the Prophet he said, sa'afalu alu inshaAllah. I will do it, insha'Allah. It is said that this was Friday when Uthman came for Salatul Jumu'ah to the masjid of the Prophet Sallallahu And the next day, Saturday, the Prophet Sallallahu came to his house. First thing in the morning, he came. And we see that he came in the morning. Why? Because whatever is important, you should do it in the morning. Allahumma barik li ummati fi The Prophet Sallallahu took permission. Because no matter who you are, when you go to somebody's house, You need the permission. And again we see the focus of the Prophet ﷺ. He came for salah. That's the first thing he did. He didn't even sit down until he asked, where would you like me to pray? So whatever your focus is, first of all, know what you have to do. Unfortunately, we go to work, we go to school, and we have no idea what we have to do. We go and we ask people, okay, so what am I supposed to do today? What am I supposed to do today? You should know. You should know. You've been coming... And doing something for the past one year, for the past one month, by now you should have a clear idea every single day what you're going to do. And if you don't have an idea, there's a big problem. And if you don't have an idea, five minutes, go through your email, go through your diary, and see what you have to do today. And what you have to do, just get to it, just do it. Don't wait for other people to instruct you, to order you. Take initiative and stay focused. Also we see... Adab Maas Sahib al Bayt the respect that is shown to the to the person of the house, to the owner of the house. The Prophet ﷺ asked him, Where would you like me to pray? And also we see that the Prophet ﷺ prayed, he led the prayer. What salah was this? Duhur? Okay, you can say it was time of Duha, but it seems like it was a little bit after that. Or even if it's around that, duha is not fard. So what does it show that? That naful prayers can be performed in congregation every day no sometimes because that's what the prophet sallallahu did sometimes so just like that if you are praying nafl prayers in congregation sometimes there is absolutely no harm in that okay like for example a new class is beginning the entire staff is told come in early we're all going to pray salat together right nafl seeking allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's help Haja. Is that permissible? Yes. Is it a bid'ah? No. Because it's sometimes, in the morning, nafil jama'ah, just like the Prophet did. That we see Abu Bakr anhu that he was with him. In other narrations we find out that the Prophet came in with Abu Bakr and after some time, Umar anhu also came in. So we see that the Prophet wouldn't go alone. His companions would come along with him. But it shows the fadila of Abu Bakr anhu He's always found with the Prophet ﷺ. And also one more thing, that the Prophet ﷺ accepted the invitation of Rehban, his request, that please come and pray in my house. We think, oh, we should only go when there is a big event, right, or when there is food. The hadith continues, but the time is up, so inshallah we will complete it next time. Inshallah. Subhanakallahu wa bihamdika wa la ilaha illa anta nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilayk Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.